is dedicated to exploring the relationship between our hair, our health, and our heritage. For my second season, I'm facilitating conversations with successful hairstylists and barbers. I'd like to invite you to listen in as we explore the significance of the hair care space, the importance of the relationship between hair care professionals and their community, why it's important to us, and even some common myths about this type of work. In this episode, we will discuss being business-minded while engaging in self-care. I'll be having a conversation with Miss Angela Walker, the creator of N Natural Hair Studio in Silver Spring, Maryland, and the curator of the N brand. So it's my honor to introduce you all to Angela. Um, I put a bio together. She does not know about this bio because I didn't even ask her for one. But this is my version of a bio based on my observations of her talking in the salon and even her Instagram stories. So (laughs) let's get started. Angela was born to Jamaican parents and raised in Maryland. She studied entrepreneurship at the University of Maryland College Park and steadily worked at a natural hair salon until the age of 23 and saved up $30,000 to create her own natural hair salon. Angela's not shy about business and constantly expands her brands and finds challenges to solve through her endeavors. She sees her salon and natural hair studio as an ecosystem that everyone should benefit from. In addition, Angela is a proud mother of an eight-year-old son um, that fills her life with curious questions and lots of laughter. Is that an accurate bio? Very accurate. Okay, I'm doing your life story. (laughs) All right, so welcome, Angela. Thank you for um, letting me come to your new home, cooking me food as you hear her eating this um, salad in the background. Yes, thank you for having me. All right. So it seems like just yesterday that Mm -hmm. we met each other at Sankofa Cafe for a panel on natural hair. It was about four years ago. Mm -hmm. But I'm mindful there are huge chunks of your story that I've left out and even that I don't know. So let's start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. When and how did you decide that you would enter the hair care industry? Mm. No, that is a good question. Okay. When I thought I would enter versus when I actually did are two very different things. So when the idea came to me to enter was from, technically from when I was in high school, but according to a piece of paper that we found maybe when we were, when we were moving to our, the house that I just left. So I was in college and you find the paper where your teacher's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And actually in kindergarten, I said, I want to be a hairstylist. Really? Right. I did, (laughs) supposedly. Um, But I didn't think I wanted to be a hairstylist until it was in high school. Um... But then my parents told me, you know, well, not my parents, my mom specifically. She said I was too smart to be a hairstylist, do something else. Mm -mm. And so that was when um, I was like, okay, I'll go into finance and accounting because I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of money there and Jamaicans equate money to success like the rest (laughs) of the world. So let me do that. And then went to Maryland with the thought of, okay, I'm going to go to the business school. I'm going to do accounting. Um, And then during my... 
freshman going in, no, during my sophomore year, I worked at a financial planning and taxing firm. And that was when I realized I didn't want to do that. Mm. And I told my mom, like, nah, for real, I'm going to do the hair thing. And I was like, I think I should just drop out because I already know what I want to do. And it's not accounting. So it's kind of like, what am I doing here? And then she was all like, nah, son, you're going to stay because I already put money in there after you graduate. <laughs> she she literally <laughs> said, you can do anything. You can even become a stripper. Just graduate. I said, okay. And so here I am. I did not uh, go into stripping. And I graduated. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So mm-hmm. in some of the media that you've produced through N, I've heard you say that you want straight hair to be an oddity. What mm-hmm. does that mean? And why does that drive you? So I think that when I went natural, I remember being on a bus. And now that I look back on it, it was kind of funny. The driver, he said that I, I don't remember the character's name, but I know you guys are going to know it. Some character on The Simpsons. Is it Sideshow Bob? Oh, yes. Okay, so he told me I look like Sideshow Bob. <laughs> Mind you, I don't watch cartoons, so I'm just like, I know that's an insult, but I don't really know how to take it because I don't even know the character. Um, He's actually crazy. Like, this, that oh, he's well, trying damn. to murder Bart. Like, that's part of okay, his Okay, well, thing. he told me my hair looked like him. So, um... I was like, oh, okay. And then he was like, what? He said something like, you must be a, something in the arts because where you go looking like that? And I was like, actually, I do natural hair. He was like, natural hair? Don't nobody wear no natural hair? And I was like, a lot of people wear Wait, natural Wait, what year hair. was this? This was 2009. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when things are really happening, too. Not yet. Like, well, in the, in the, the beginning. website. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the early The earlier years. days, yeah. So he wasn't <laughs> hip. And then he was like, you know, good luck making money off that. But it was just like clearly him seeing a black woman wearing her hair natural and out and like untamed was like, that's weird. So what I like my dream, I think would just be so amazing to walk into a room. No offense to the ladies that wear straight hair, but to walk into a room and like when another good example, my son. I want everyone's reaction to straight hair to be like my son's when he saw me with straight hair. There's a huge Wait, picture. Wait, he saw you with straight? Oh, yeah. An old it, was, it was an old picture. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a picture. <laughs> so it was, um, you know, at my high school, they take pictures, they blow them up, they put them up on the wall. So when my high school was changing, shift like they moved to a new building, you were able to go and purchase the ones that they had up of you. Hmm. So I purchased two of mine. So he saw one of them and he was like, mommy, what was wrong with your hair? And that's how I want people to react when they see black women with straight hair because it should be like, that's odd. Like, why is she, her hair like that and why is it not out or, you know, a little bit curly? So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is very did I personal. Answer the question? Yeah, you did. Okay, good. In terms of it's very personal thinking about like even future generations mm-hmm. and what it means to be black, mm-hmm. to be a black woman, mm-hmm. and to live in how like, your genes are yeah. expressed mm-hmm. versus and like, accepted. Yeah, accepted. Mm-hmm. So that it should be weird. It should be odd in terms of what have you done to yourself exactly. to make you look that way exactly. versus how you are regularly. Regularly, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, naturally. I got it. So, as a small time entrepreneur myself, I know that work can be very consuming. Mm-hmm. So, what are some challenges that you face in owning your own business slash businesses? And have you fallen prey to the workaholic entrepreneurship lifestyle? (laughs) Um, Yes, I have. But I'm someone that I did it out of sheer love for what I do. It's not like um, someone had a gun to my head and said, you need to work 24 hours a day. It was just a very natural thing for me to do. 
So I have fallen victim to being one of those people. I don't think that I am anymore, um, but I was for many years. Um, what was the first part of the question? Well, just in terms of some of the challenges that oh, the you challenges. Faced. So I think the main challenge, um, and I want to just say in being an entrepreneur, I'm going to say in being someone that business just wasn't something that's talked about in your home or something that you were really exposed to when you were younger, it never stops. So I think that, you know, if I grew up and I just kind of saw a successful small business happening around me, I probably wouldn't have anxiety to think like, oh my gosh, if I don't work 24 hours, this shit is going to close down. Mm-hmm. No one's going to show up. People who depend on this business to eat and live their life, they're going to end up homeless. Like, I got to make sure this shit keeps going. But it's because of the inexperience and almost the ignorance of not knowing how a business works and just mm-hmm. thinking that, like, if you don't work 24 hours, this thing is going to implode. So I, for me, I would say that was the biggest challenge it was me it, and also the technology, right? Like you, you have the ability to work 24 hours a day. So anytime that you have leisure time, it's almost like I haven't earned this time. I got shit to build. I got a company going on. Like I need to keep it moving. So um, that's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is being able to turn it off because you have the opportunity to not. And it's like, if I turn it off, you know, are my competitors turning it off? But I think once you enter the space of realizing that like what your competitors do is not really that big a deal in the sense of like, they could be working 24 hours mm-hmm. and maybe they will get ahead and mm-hmm. that's okay because that's the life they want. But if I don't want that life, then that sh- that can't be how I work in order for this thing to work. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm definitely hearing the theme of lifestyle curation yes. in terms of really living the life that you want to live. Yeah. And almost entrepreneurship can afford you that opportunity yeah. to really shape your hours. I know this is the middle of the day. Both of it us. Is. We're both here. <laughs> out out here in the streets eating salads. Podcasting. She's in a robe. <laughs> <laughs> So that comfort. Mm -hmm. So I definitely believe you are one of the queens of self-care. And I know you have a very Mm -hmm. active, audible account. So what does your self-care routine look like these days? And Mm. what reading materials would you say have had the greatest impact on your consciousness and Mm. commitment to your health? Mm. All right. That's good. Um, All right. Let's go back to the first part of that question because I feel like it was layered. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, what was the first part? The first part is what does your self-care look like these days? Okay, so Mm -hmm. this question at this time, it's a very unfair question. Over the past two to three months, I've been very lax on purpose because I just kind of wanted to live my life and see what that looked like. So I have a, well, I had my great-grandmother, she lived to be like 100-something, I forgot. Anyways, I'm trying to make it to 120, right. And homegirl... You know, she kind of didn't really do much. Like when she wanted to cook, she did. When she wanted to go to her garden and look at flowers, she did. She had someone to do her farm for her. And her husband kind of went out work. She had seven kids, so I guess she had to technically carry babies for 70 months total or something. But I mean, technically, that's not that difficult. So (laughs) I thought to myself, you know, what does that look like? What does that look like to wake up, to not go to work? Right. Because I also realized I don't owe anybody money. My lease was up at the salon. So technically, if it did implode, I would be okay. (laughs) Um, So I just wanted to know, like, what does that look like to wake up and not go to work? Right. To really just focus on what your life would look like outside of work. And so that's what I've been working on. Waking up. I've always even in the height of my um, 
like business, being busy thing. I also have a whole story on, you know, being busy. Um, I would, so I've been going to boot camp for a, a little over a year now. So 5.30 in the morning, I go to a one hour boot camp, which mm. is awesome. Um, and then when I get home, my son is with me, you know, one week on, one week off. Um, so when I get home, I do my smoothies. So I already cut up my vegetables and fruit. So I'll do one of those. And then um, if he's here with me, after that, I, I also I'm working for a influencer right now, which is totally mind opening. It's a lot of fun. It's very, mm, I don't know what the word is, but I love it. So after <laughs> I'm done eating, then I'll do her um, schedule for the day, respond to emails, things like that. And then if he's with me, then I'll do his lunch and his breakfast before I wake him up for us to head out the door. If he's not with me, I do whatever the hell I want. So if I feel like cooking lunch, then that's what I'm going to do. If I feel like eating leftovers, then that's what I'm going to do. If I feel like being a fat ass and, you know, getting some ice cream and making myself dessert, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, I've been, you know looking for furniture. Um, I plan on doing like a lot of walks when the weather gets nice. I plan on getting back into running, been reading, um, but I've been reading most lately, Ghana Must Go. Hmm. And I'm not finished with that book, but it is the first time that after like the first few pages, I knew this was going to be one of my favorite books ever. So I'm purposefully reading it slow. Like this author have you have you read it? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh. She so a lot of times when you talk to people, and you would know when you talk to people that don't speak English, they say things like, you know, the English language kind of like stunts how I want to communicate. Like it's the words just aren't enough. This lady has transformed English to the point where you're like, she know she uses words in a way that you cannot imagine. And I feel like she can paint the most beautiful pictures. Mm. So I've been reading that whenever mm-hmm. I feel like it. Um, it I've sounds been, like it sounds like you're really savoring it too. I am, and I'm yeah. like reading it slow and like stopping at occasional passages. Like, oh, I need to take this in. Um, <laughs> I've been talking to a lot more friends on the phone, hanging out with friends, going to visit friends, and that's just something that like my entire circle of friends. I still don't know how we were able to stay friends this long because it's it's clearly through like them contacting me, and they would always be like, "Son, you never call," and I'm like but I never call anyone, son. (laughs) So now, you know, even though I'm still not calling, when they call, I have time to talk. So I've been enjoying living life outside of work. It's a beautiful thing. Nice, nice. I Mm want to do that. I I hope everyone experiences this, (laughs) even if it's just for a few months. I think it is, it's it's fabulous. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, now I want to talk a little bit more about hair, but your hair. Okay. So, Angela, right now, um, she has a gravity-defying afro, (laughs) um, but I've seen her with various looks. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about your hair journey and how it reflects various experiences you've had Mm -hmm. or had to face Mm -hmm. as a black woman? Yeah, so I would say, um, you know, most people who say my hair doesn't represent me, I should say most black women who say that are black women who straighten their hair. I think my hair does represent me. And it always has, for the most part. Um, like, I remember my hair is extremely thick. Hmm. My hair is extremely thick. So when I had a perm, of course, it was really thick, very long. Um, and I remember, like, my senior or my junior year, I figured out how to do flat twist out. So all of a sudden, even though it was very straight and long, it would still get a little bit of volume because of the mm-hmm. flat twist out. So when I went to College Park and I went to my first African-American studies course and they talked about 
I don't even know what the hell they were talking about, but I know that I left that class and I went to my dorm room. I was rooming with my best friend at the time and I was like, yeah, I'm going to cut off all my hair. And she was like, son, you're crazy. Like your hair is gorgeous. I was like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure the only reason why we wear our hair like this is because we're trying to look like something we're not. Mm. So the end of that year, I cut off my hair um, and I immediately went to the store to try to do cornrows on myself. I do not recommend this to anybody. It looked so bad. And, you know, again, like you just cut off your hair. Your self-esteem is a little bit low. So you're trying to like jazz it up. I decided to get like blue hair to do these cornrows. And it was just really ugly now that I think back on it. And I put like beads at the end. But you should become like... Like, when you first, like, start to read up about, like, black history, first you get angry as shit, right? Because you're like, son, they would teach me about Abraham Lincoln having me fall asleep in class. I could have been learning about this stuff. And so first you get angry, but then you get really black. Like, you get extra black. Like, you can't wear none of the white man's jewelry. Like, if it's a Hanes shirt, you want it to be black, but really you shouldn't even be wearing Hanes because it's not black owned. So... I became that person in in college. And so my hair became that with me. So after the summer, which was very short-lived as far as like me not feeling comfortable with my own hair, then I just started rocking my fro. And I remember saying, I want my hair to get so big when I sit in the theater. Someone says, excuse me. And I'm like, I can't do nothing else. So I just let my hair grow out, but I always picked it out in college. So people started remembering my name because of Angela Davis. So it was very easy for them to be like, oh, Angela, like Angela Davis. It was like the perfect circle. Um, And then after college, I had my son cut my hair. We all know that, you know, a lot of times when people cut their hair, they're entering a um, a new period in their life. After I had my son and I cut my hair... Um, me and his dad had broken up and I was dating this guy who was very, yeah, confidential information. (laughs) He was very influential in my life and a lot of the thinking that I had. And at that time I'd wanted to get locks. And I remember telling, um, Kaylasa, who at the time was, um, shampoo, one of the shampoo bells at the salon. And I was like, yeah, just wash my hair. I'm going to start locks. And she was like, well, why don't you just start it from your Afro? And I was like, Son, that's a great idea. So she washed my hair. She detangled it. And that was the last time I had my hair detangled for like four years. Mm -hmm. And I let my hair, I would get it washed once a month, but I wouldn't touch it. And so after like six months, whatever had stuck together, I separated. So I had these really thick, beautiful, organic kind of locks, but they were kind of curated after a while. Um, And then um, I ended up having a miscarriage and I cut Mm. them all off literally like maybe two or three days after that. And Mm. that is the stage like this is like a year and a half. Oh, more than a year and a half later. So that's Mm -hmm. the fro that I have now. Mm -hmm. But my hair has always been like, in my opinion, a representation of where I am in life. Yeah. And especially like your womanhood, I'm hearing more Mm -hmm. so too, in terms of romantic relationships. Oh, yeah. um, Plays a role. Birth, Mm -hmm. loss, all of that even factoring in. Birth and loss. Yeah. Yeah. so powerful. Yeah, And I think you must be a Maasai because the Maasai Mm -hmm. of Kenya and Tanzania have Mm -hmm. a lot of cutting rituals for births, deaths, Mm -hmm. all of that. So you're, you're tapped into that. African retention of culture in I terms of yeah, ritual for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So two, mm-hmm. I really want to praise you for the high quality service mm-hmm. that your salon offers. I haven't actually had you do my hair yet. That's going to be in the future one yes. day. Mm-hmm. But I think that you really um, have created a unique environment such Thank as you. 
um, making sure clients aren't spending the entire day mm-hmm. waiting to get their hair done. Mm-hmm. Um, that timing is very important, that there are fees charged to the stylist or even the customer, depending on the timing. Mm-hmm. Um, there are stopwatches in the salon <laughs> um, in terms of timing, how long mm-hmm. styles take to get completed. Um, so you've done a lot of research related to the hair care industry. Yeah. Um, so to what degree do you feel like salons are, natural hair salons in particular, have made great strides or mm-hmm. could be even healing spaces versus what do you feel like are the ways that salons fall short mm. of providing healing services to their clients? So again, I'm biased. I'm blunt. Occasionally, I'm still working on that. I think I would like to be a little bit more graceful, but for now, I'm still blunt. Um, I really find that in the traditional salon spaces, I don't find them to be very healing. Again, our hair represents where we are, but that's just me. Um, I don't find them to be very healing for a few reasons. Um, the conversations that are had are very different. There's usually a television, so you want to have you know whatever's on the television that's entering the space. Um, you're going to be hearing a lot of talks about, you know, reality TV. And it's not that, like, reality TV talks don't enter natural hair salons. It's just probably not as prevalent. Um, again, you're in a space where you're curating black women to look like something that they're not. So that in itself is just going to give you, in my opinion, not a very healing kumbaya kind of vibe. Now, natural hair salons, almost all of them that I've been in, they seem to be very calm. I've never been to a natural hair salon that had a television in it. Mm. Um, The conversations, I'm not saying that everyone's listening to Jill Scott and reading, you know, like Invisible Man, but there seems to be a level of like consciousness, like a, like there seems to be like a base level of consciousness when you enter a natural hair salon. Like, okay, so we've all already accepted that our natural hair is better. For the most part, even if someone's transitioning, transitioning, we all accept that we are beautiful as we are. So there's like a base level of consciousness that's there. And I find that the conversations are very, not only are our conversations like healing, but they're like, um, insightful insightful we'll go with that that's not the word but i can't remember the word anyways thought provoking thought provoking yeah like they're very thought provoking so like once you're done with the conversations in that salon space like you may literally leave like a changed person or have a change view on how you used to view certain aspects of your life that's deep that's so yeah deep. i think it's a very healing space mm-hmm. all right so just to get some recommendations now mm-hmm. there are a lot of people entering the natural hair industry mm-hmm. um And I know that you've made a lot of strides in organizing people in these spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you give some recommendations to listeners who are interested in opening a natural hair salon Mm -hmm. um, based on your experiences or experiences that you've observed of other stylists? Yeah. So I do think that the way that I opened mine was the best way in the sense of when I opened in my heart of hearts, I really didn't expect to have stylists for at least a year. Because she's, she's going in on this food right now. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, so, yeah. So, I wanted to make sure that I chose a space that if I had no, no one else there but myself, if I only had, like, 
I think it was a small number. Like I only needed like 20 clients to be able to make rent, then I would be fine. Mm -hmm. So I went in being extremely conscious of the finances of it all, because while I wanted to curate a space that was beautiful and that would, you know, really um, foster like sisterhood, I wanted to make sure it would be like up in a year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I find that a lot of business owners or people entering business, they enter with a a level of like confidence that's almost like cocky, right? So it's like when you're telling people about your business, you're telling them, yeah, it's going to be the next best thing. You know, I have this great idea. And it's just kind of like, honestly, everyone has great ideas. Your idea is probably not that good. And the only difference between like one person's good idea and the other is like, who's going to work the hardest? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So I really wanted to make sure that I was in a space where on top of trying to curate this space, I wasn't going to have to sell out in the sense of having to do certain things or offering certain things just to make rent. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that I can stay true to like the core, the pillars of my Mm -hmm. business. Um, So I made sure that my space was under a thousand and I made sure that any renovations that I had to do, what basically what I wanted to make sure was that when I opened, I would be able to have $10,000 in the bank as a cushion Mm. in case anything was to happen. So I would say really pay attention to your money um, and act as if your business is about to fail in the first five months. Like whatever you would do, if you knew that your business was going to fail or had the potential of failing in five months, do that. So if you would buy a, ch- a cheaper chair, buy the cheaper chair because you never know. There could be a snowstorm and all of a sudden you have two weeks of like no, mm-hmm. no money coming in. Like you just don't want, you don't want to be starting this, you know, very fragile thing. And then have to be like running the pavement, pounding things and doing things that you didn't have any intentions of doing to keep it going. Um, The other thing that I would say is to this is something that a mentor of mine told me, build slow and fire fast or hire slow and fire fast. And I think that is very important because when you hire fast, you usually end up needing to fire those same people. Mm. So almost like. Always be in this state of like looking for people, not to say that you shouldn't be content, but you usually find the best stylist. I have found the best stylist when I wasn't looking that hard Mm. or I didn't really need them. And um, it allows for you to integrate them into your space in a very like calm way where they learn like how you function and things. And you're not like rushing like, okay, you have 10 clients today. And they're like, yo, I don't (laughs) even know where you keep the combs. Um, I remember yeah. when I came, I'm like, where are the brushes? He's like, brushes? Yeah, we don't do Why that. would we do brushes? We no brushes? So that was part of my orientation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm mindful that you you definitely have a lot of teachable um, quotes and <laughs> concepts mm-hmm. and even developed then a natural hair school. So mm-hmm. I w- had the honor of going through that program myself, mm-hmm. the Institute, um, and I really learned a lot that cannot be found in other textbooks, mm-hmm. other course materials. So I'm really impressed that you were able to integrate your experience because you put a lot of career information mm-hmm. in, in there in terms of not just saying the techniques, but this is how you run a business. This is, there's a whole <laughs> chapter on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like you were very innovative in creating a school um, to really teach people how to provide high quality services and Mm -hmm. run their own businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, We've covered so much today. I'm like, (laughs) I should have been taking notes. I'm like secretly trying to memorize the things that you said, but I'll listen to this podcast over 
to hear all the tips that you gave. I just want to ask, do you have any closing thoughts um, for listeners related to the natural hair industry or um, mindfulness and self-care mm. and entrepreneurship? Just even a closing, summarizing thought. Mm. Mindfulness and natural hair business. What I would say is, if there's anything that like taking a step back has taught me, is that as a business owner, you're never going to outrun the fires. And I think that when you get started, you're always like, oh, well, as soon as this happens, then, you know, it's going to be easy. Or as soon as I get this done, then it's going to be easy. But at every level that you get to, there's going to be new challenges. It's going to have to take, you know, a different part of you in order to solve those challenges. So it's very important to me, at least nowadays, to not have the business run me in the sense of creating a sense of urgency that is not mine. So if someone calls and they're like, oh my gosh, Angela, someone did not like their service. You need to talk to this client now. And I'm just like, I can talk to them now or I can talk to them in three days. They'll be fine. And if mm. they're not fine and they want to write us a bad review, that's fine too. But I'm not going to take myself out of my comfort zone, out of whatever mm. space I'm in to try to put out this fire right now when it's not burning anything. Mm. And I think that a lot of times people try to make really small problems seem really big. Mm. And at the end of the day, it's like, I, I do understand like the power of hair, but it's hair. Like if a stylist gave you twists that were too small, you'll be okay. If you want us to help you take them out, we can do that. If it's not the, the twist that you wanted, we can help you. But I know you didn't leave the salon looking set up to the point where you can't be seen in public. You know what I mean? So I would just say, try not to lose yourself while others are like, running amok around mm. you like try to mm. find your center and stay there Ooh, that is just good life advice period <laughs> um to really be centered and have a clear sense of what your priority is mm -hmm. not priorities but mm -hmm. priority that yeah. there has to be this one top thing mm -hmm. right essentialism essentialism um, because it sounds like there's so much stress that could come from being easily. a non-essentialist easily for, for sure but okay well Thank you so much, Angela. This mm -hmm. this was so inspirational. I feel driven. I feel like I need to open up a natural hair salon. Do it. Um, and you still need to do my hair. I'm not gonna <laughs> let that pass either. I heard you got you give a mean shampoo. Mm. Um, or That's what they say. <laughs> I guess you had. I guess you do it to yourself occasionally. But no, I'm saying you have to wash. Okay. Myself. I'm saying you've washed your hair before in your life. Very rarely. <laughs> Nowadays. Maybe that's the trick. Don't wash your hair that often, and then you can do it to other people very well. But, Angela, so how can lis listeners get in contact with you to keep up with the various projects that you're working mm. on? Um, I would say follow me on Instagram, but I don't really post that much. But if you want to, feel free. On Instagram, I'm Angela Gone Social. That's probably not going to change anytime soon. Um, that's Angela with an A, in case you thought it started with something else. Um, and you can also follow my salon and natural hair studio and the natural hair industry convention. That's pretty cool. And that's just natural hair industry on Instagram. As always, you can follow the latest psychotherapy information through our website, psychotherapy.org or our Instagram handle at psychotherapy. It's in the title of this podcast, so I'm not going to spell it out. But of course, <laughs> if you like this podcast, please consider sharing it with your friends, your family, people you know who are starting a slime, people who've been in the industry a long time. Um, and in closing, let's remember that a path to healthy hair is having strong roots.